So here's a question for you. Have you been on the receiving end of a presentation or pitch recently, uh, either one-to-one or, or within a company or an event even, and crikey, the slides have been not very good, they've been too full of stuff, and you've been thinking, what's this all about? Well, that's what I experienced recently, and it inspired me for this episode of the podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is Trevor Lee. This is the Better Presentations, More Sales podcast. We're up to episode 236. So if you're a new listener, you, well, you've got 235 episodes in the back catalogue together, all of which will be available on your usual podcast app. So thanks for listening, everybody. It's great to be producing this podcast for you. And I've kind of got into this routine now, or I'm hoping to get into this routine, where a three-week cycle. So two guests and then me sharing some thoughts and ideas from my own observations of the business world, particularly, obviously, around presentations and things to do with sales. So I was at an event very recently, a few days ago, actually, and it inspired me uh, to create this episode, which is all around the quality of the slides when you are delivering a presentation and also if you're in an event and there's a Q&A, how to handle that. So what made me do this? Well, I went to this event and it was designed to be talking about tech and the future and all this. So I, I, I paid to go and it wasn't too far from where I am based here in Cornwall in the UK. So I went along and uh, it was a good start. There was someone talking about, you know, the state of the economy and all that sort of stuff and putting life in perspective. Great. And then up came uh, speaker number one. There were two speakers. And this guy was uh, billed as talking about retail, which was okay. But, you know, I wasn't, I thought, well, retail, you know, okay, it's a very defined market, isn't it? And I was rather hoping for some broader things about the future and how to use tech and digital and all that. Because it was put on by a, a digital high tech sort of agency type organization. Anyway, this guy starts off and we're all in this kind of little amphitheater, whatever. There's, I don't know, 25, 30, 35 people there, whatever it is. And he starts off and he puts his first slide on the screen. And I'm thinking, oh, no. (laughs) So let me try and describe this slide to you. Okay, clearly I haven't got a picture of it. You know, that would be unfair. And I'm not going to mention who this guy was. But let me, let me describe it to you and uh, you see whether you recognise this as an average slide that you see at a presentation. Hopefully not one that you personally deliver, right? So first of all, there's, like, there's a background photograph which he used on all five or six or seven slides, however many he had. They were all identical, by the way, in the way they were constructed. And the background slide was an image of a, of a town centre, you know, so there's, there's the first thing. Now, you know, background slide images, photographs are very popular in presentation slides about 15, 20 years ago, right? Okay, and we're talking about the future. That's what this event was all about. So I'm thinking, right, okay, this is not great. And then in the top left-hand corner, there was some sort of headline. Now, it was the kind of headline that I personally would use for the whole of the slide, all right, and nothing else on the slide, but, oh, yes, there were lots of other things on this slide. So underneath the headline on the left-hand side, there were at least, there were somewhere, I didn't count them all, but there were between five and eight bullet points. And <laughs> we, you, you know how old-fashioned bullet points are on presentations. And not only were these bullet points, but they were sentences. And sometimes the sentences drifted into two lines. Now, you can imagine, you're picturing the scene now. There's a lot of information. And I'm only talking about the left-hand side of the slide. Now, on the right-hand side, there were then two or three images, which clearly were so small it was very difficult to see them. More words, 
And then sometimes there was a catch line across the bottom as well. Oh, and then somewhere on there, I think there was a logo. So that was exactly how every single slide of this presentation was. So first of all, huge amount of information on one slide, very cluttered. Everything you could put on a slide was on there. And I'm thinking, God, you know, this is how slides were 15 years ago, wasn't it? You know, not today, surely not today, but maybe, you know, clearly it was today. So I'm thinking, I'm, I'm busy writing all this down thinking, I've got an idea for the next episode of the podcast. I'm going to share with my listeners this experience and advise them not to do this. All right, so if you're listening to this and you've got a presentation coming up and you've got some slides, then have a look at your slides and think, no, I shouldn't be doing it like this. All right. And I think you've got the picture. So these slides were very, very busy. And um, actually, he, he used them, uh, the same slide structure for, the, for the, all of his six or seven slides in his presentation. And uh, if you've listened to the, uh, the, the podcast, uh, I think it was about three or four episodes ago with Kay Reeves talking about confidence. Kay used the phrase, uh, rinse and repeat. Well, <laughs> I was sat there thinking about rinse and repeat when I, was look, when I was at this event because I thought, oh, what's going to be on his next slide? And when, of course, when slide number two came up, and it was exactly the same format with slightly different words. I then could really guess what slide three was going to look like and every other slide. And I, I kind of awarded myself a prize for guessing exactly how all the slides were going to look. So what happened? Well, this guy, you know, um, he I don't know, he just clearly hadn't worked out what his audience wanted. So not only were his slides very, very cluttered and therefore quite, quite dull, frankly, um, but his message was also confusing because I was trying to think that, you know, here's a guy who should be talking about the future. You know, presumably that's why he was there. He was some sort of retail consultant expert. Well, that's what he recently set himself up to do. And that was an interesting point in itself because he'd recently left a company that was fairly well known in the fashion business. Uh, well, certainly well known regionally and had moved on to a consultancy role himself. And he kept talking about all the things he'd done at this previous organisation. That was kind of his thing. So it was a bit historical rather than, hey, I'm here to learn about the future. So that kind of missed the point for me as well. But of course, what he fell into the trap of, and I don't, I'm sure he didn't realise this, but it happens and you, you notice it, is that because there was so much information on every slide, he was reading from the slides. <laughs> so he would look at the audience for a while and then he would turn. I'm trying to do that. I'm standing up recording this and I'm trying to reenact this. So I'm trying to keep my mouth to the speaker if I can. But he would turn and he would then read from the slides. And that wasn't very great for interaction either. So, you know, so the point of this episode, ladies and gentlemen, is to say to you, don't do slides like that. Because you'll end up reading from the screen, okay? You'll end up not engaging your audience. And there was no audience interaction with this guy. We were quite close to where he, you know, where he was delivering his presentation from. There was no audience interaction. It was all about the slides, all that sort of stuff. So big learning point there. And it made me think, right, come on. Let's get on a mission and let's rid the business world of these really old-fashioned, poor-quality slides, which we genuinely don't need. You know, because this is the sort of thing that causes death by PowerPoint. Now, he had six or seven slides and I felt that I certainly was very early on afflicted with death by PowerPoint. And I'm sure everybody else might have been there as well. And it's very interesting, this, isn't it? Because I've done this several times when I deliver presentation workshops. And if I deliver one for you, I'll do exactly the same thing. But a, a certain time into the presentation, 
Okay, um, if I'm doing it virtually or in person, I say I, when I get to the point where I'm talking about death by PowerPoint, which in a an hour session might be forty minutes in, I don't know. Um, I say to the audience, right, here's a here's I'm going to prove about you know what causes death by PowerPoint. So I want you all to guess how many slides I've used so far, and the nearest one wins a copy of my book, The Twelve Business Lessons from Running an Ultra Marathon. And I did this recently at a pitching session I was delivering live. And uh, people said, oh, 30, 20, 16. Well, somebody said seven. <laughs> okay. And the answer was something like 71, I think it was, or something like that. And they were all astonished. They were absolutely astonished. Um, and I think someone, you know, there's always one person who goes for a far out guess. And they, somebody said 50 something. And I, I don't think they really believed their guess. They just thought, well, if I go for a really high one, no one else will. So... But they won the book, so great stuff for them. But the point I make that uh, you know, during that delivery of that program, it's not the number of slides that causes death by PowerPoint, because clearly all the and no one ever gets it near at all. They're all every time I do this, everyone's astonished. Now, if you ever bring me into a workshop for you, you'll know what's coming, and you'll you'll you know don't tell your colleagues, don't tell your colleagues, all right? Um, but what causes death by PowerPoint is what you put on those slides. It's that. Oh, it's those words, it's those sentences, it's those too many, it's just too much. So let me remind you of my rules when I work with people for slides. So if you're going to put words on them, start with one word, one word. And then if you have to add one more or two more or three more, great. But I say to people, don't put more than seven or eight words on a slide. Use an image in combination with that. That's great. That I think is that is the formula because that's what I use, and that's why people are never, you know, they never, you know, caught, I never caused death by a PowerPoint, as far as I know. <laughs> now I counted on the very last slide this fellow had because you know I didn't take pictures of them or anything like that. I wasn't going to do that. Um, but while he had his last slide on the screen, or what I think was his last slide, I was kind of counting them as best I could on the screen, and I got over a hundred words on uh, one of his slides and and that would have been the same for all of them so there we go so if you're going to you you know if you're going to do that you know don't do the slides like that and now here's a here's an here's an also an interesting thing because this event was organized by a guy who uh, runs this digital company he got these two people in i think they're probably clients of his or he's worked with them or something like that that's usually how it works isn't it um but i th i don't think he checked out how good they were at presenting and that was a big mistake and it's easily done because, you know, you run an event, you know, people, you know, especially a local event where you've not got professional speakers. So you just ask these two guys. I don't think he checked their presentations because if he had done, he would have probably said, oh, crikey, don't do it like that. That's going to be so boring. <laughs> OK, maybe not, maybe not quite as uh, direct as that. Um, but if you're running an event, even if it's an internal one, you know, the quality of the presentation and the speaker is so important to the success of that event. So make sure you see the presentation. Make sure you, 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 know, you find out. Because, you know, people have got great CVs. A great CV doesn't mean you're a great speaker. All right? You've got, you know, if you're going to hire people in, and especially if you're going to pay them, then make sure they're good at presenting. And ask them, you know, to send you a little video if they're a, if they're a regular speaker. If not, just if they don't have that video and they're really, you know, new to presenting, but they say, oh, yeah, I can do a presentation, well, How's it going to go? Talk me through it. Let's have a little rehearsal a couple of weeks in advance because I need to make a decision or I need to guide you on what I'm needed. And the other thing, of course, is this guy ran massively over time. He had absolutely no idea 
Um, he were, I think he was allocated 10 or 15 minutes. He went on and on and on. And that meant everything else went way behind schedule. And the, the event itself was only for about 90 minutes. And then another a mistake I think the organiser made, he stopped for coffee. And he said, oh, we'll just have a couple of minutes. Well, it never is a couple of minutes. People drifted off. It was about seven or eight minutes, maybe 10 before they got going again. And then when he got to his Q&A, and this is the point I want to make about a Q&A, he got to the Q&A. And what he decided to do, which was okay, it was kind of high tech, but in the environment, I don't think it was needed because there weren't that, you know, there wasn't thousands of people there. He said, right, put your questions on this thing. Uh, oh, God, what's it called? Uh, Twillo or something? I don't know. <laughs> God, I forgot what it's called. Twello or something, is it? You'll know, you'll know. It's the kind of app that you can use at an event. He gave us a number, we signed in, and um, we put our questions in there. But then he got four people at the end on a panel, including the guy doing the presentation. Another guy he'd done like a Q&A with, which wasn't very inspiring either. Um, there was the lady who did the financial analysis at the beginning. She was good. And then somebody else who was a client, a client who he just roped into the panel. So I'm thinking, you know, it's now close to the finish time of the event and he's starting the Q&A. And, um, and the first, and, and there were lots, you know, because it was online, Lots of people have put questions in there. And he started off with the first one, which wasn't by far and away was probably one of the dullest questions. So, again, if you're going to do a QA and a and you're going to use this technology, whatever it's called, I, can't, I need to find that out, don't I? You know what I mean. Um, select two or three of the best questions, but then brief the panel in advance. Because what happened, he asked the dull question... He asked it to one member of the panel. They took about two minutes to answer it. And then everybody on the panel jumped in and decided they ought to answer it as well. So that first question took about eight minutes. It was a pretty uninteresting question. By that time, 11 o'clock had arrived. It was the end of the thing. I had to go because I'd organised something for 12 o'clock. Other people, I don't know where they stayed around. I've no idea whether how far they got through the rest of the questions or anything like that. But the point is, you know, Running a Q&A is something you need to organise and you need to think about and you need to brief people. So what didn't work here was having four people on a panel and all of them answering it. So what he should have done, in my, my view, and this maybe you could do this with your Q&A panel, he should have said, right, guys, we're going to ask three questions. If you answer a question, you've got 20 seconds to answer it. That's all. And then I'll cut you off. OK, and I don't want all of you answering every question. So I'll put a question to you. And if I want you to answer one of the other panelists, to answer, I'll ask you that question as well. Please don't jump in after the first speaker because it will just go on too long. You will all get a chance to answer at least two of the questions. That's how you need to manage the Q&A. And then you make it slick, you make it on time and you make it relevant. Now, you could, of course, argue that with 25 people there, you could have got people to you know put your hand up and choose the questions. I suppose the fail-safe thing is that when they're all online, you can see them. But if they are all online, that's great. But, you know, pick the ones that are the best ones, not them in order. So I don't know what happened at the end of all that. So here's the summary of the learning points from today's episode. So come on, ladies and gentlemen, if you're involved in a presentation, make sure it's a good one with high-quality slides that aren't dull, that aren't boring, that aren't full of words and loads of too much information overload. All right, so that's number one. Number two, if you're organising an event, then pick your speakers carefully. Pick people who are good at speaking. It's probably better that they're good at speaking than they're the most knowledgeable person in their industry. Because you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you're unengaging as a speaker, then that's not going to work for you. So that's number two. And number three is... 
you know, put some time and effort into managing the Q&A and brief everyone. Tell the panellists how it's going to run. Tell them to keep their answers short. It's the biggest problem with the Q&A is people spend too long answering the question. And we've dealt with that in other episodes as well. Right, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Now, next episode, which will be 237, I've got a guy called Mark Carpenter. Now, Mark is a storytelling expert. He's got a book out about storytelling. He's coming on to talk about how you can build storytelling into your presentations and make them far more engaging than they they are without storytelling. So this is going to be great. (laughs) It's the sort of episode that the guy I've been referring to probably should have listened to before he did his presentation. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, don't forget also, I've got a free download, which I'll put in the show notes. It's been there for a week or two now. It's called How to Do Great Virtual Presentations, or it's about virtual presentations and how help you do better virtual presentations. So it's a, like a mini ebook. It's only, what, seven, eight, nine pages, but it's just full of useful information, hopefully, which I think you'll find useful. It's available to anybody who listens to this podcast and... When you click on the link in the show notes, you won't have to put your name or email to get it. You could just take you should, should take you straight to the link. You can click on it and you can just use it. And if you do use it, well maybe you know message me and, and let me know whether what you thought of it. That would be really good because I'm always looking to improve the materials that I'm sharing with you as a thank you for listening to this podcast. And of course, if you leave a review as well as a thank you, that would be fantastic. Right, I've got to go. See you next week.